0: Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Family Renewal Podcast. Today, I have a longtime friend of mine uh, who uh, is going to talk with me about a biblical philosophy of education. That's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, something that I enjoy talking about. However, it's getting harder for me to find anybody else that I can have on the podcast to talk about this topic. Uh, used to be years ago at the homeschooling conferences, there were a number of speakers who spoke on that particular topic. Now there are very few indeed. Uh, in fact, I, I have to really stretch my mind to think of anybody who's out there in the, the even the homeschool conference world that talks about what a biblical philosophy of education looks like. But I know of uh, almost no one better qualified to discuss that issue than David Barrett. Uh, he is the founder of. Montgomery Institute, Covenant Academy, Biblical Worldview Learning Center. Uh, Maybe we'll let him talk a little bit about what those things are in a little bit, but first of all, David, uh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Israel. It's uh, great to be here, and um, certainly the area of education and biblical education has been something the Lord has opened a path that I uh, ventured down for uh, nearly 40 years now, and so um, I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you and uh, hopefully be a benefit to those that are listening.
0: So first of all, I'll just let you uh, tell us a little bit about your family. I've known your family for a very long time. And uh, first, you know, long distance, I would say long distance, it's got to be at least 25 years, I would think. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have a a conference, a biblical worldview conference that happens out in the the general um, uh, Boise, Napa kind of area. And I've spoken there a few times over the years. And um, so we've gotten to know each other more, more personally uh, through the conference and have become friends on a personal level. But your family dynamic has changed an awful lot. I think all of your children were still um, living at home and uh, in the process of being educated when we first met. You know, you're in a little different season of life now, but just t- give us an update on uh, your family and uh, what your family dynamic looks like.
1: Okay, so people understand what Boise and Nampa is, that's in Idaho.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, for those that didn't have homeschool geography, uh, yeah. <laughs> for those of you who used Common Core, we want to let you know that's in Idaho, which is kind of
1: in the Northwest, yeah, portion of in the United States. States. Probably a Nampa somewhere else. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm an Idaho native. I was born and raised here, only left Idaho to... Uh, attend uh, undergraduate and graduate school and a couple other parts of the country um, this year is uh, my wife and my uh, 40th anniversary so praise uh, the lord yeah married in 1981 and we were blessed with seven children to raise as arrows for the Lord uh, which uh, you probably know at least the oldest the best uh, but I know you've met all of our children we as you said we've had you and Many other speakers out for a Biblical Worldview Conference that we've held, uh, I think, 35 years <laughs> um, here in in this valley. Um, but, yeah, all my children are raised now. My youngest just got married. He's probably, I guess, 22, something like that. Elise is in her mid-30s. Um, actually, I know how old she is. She's probably 35 because she was born the first year we got started <laughs> in mm. um working with homeschoolers and offering our our worldview conference. And um, so it's just been a blessing to um, raise them up. And um, early on, I mean, before we had our first child, uh, I fell under conviction of homeschooling. um, And it wasn't too difficult to convince my wife although she was trained as a public school teacher. So when she and I first heard about it, she kind of balked at the idea because she was obviously a trained teacher and what our parents, but uh, when we came to realize what education fully entails in terms of training up of a child, then uh, we realized that that burden and the Bible clearly lays it upon the parents. And um, so with before we even started educating our first child, um, we had a conviction towards homeschooling, towards doing whatever it takes to bring about a Christian-oriented, biblically-based education. And uh, that's kind of what birthed Montgomery Institute. You mentioned I'm founder and director of Montgomery Institute, um, which is kind of an odd name for a Barrett family member to have. But um, that kind of came from the inspiration of a book written by Zachariah Montgomery in the late 1880s uh, titled Poison Drops in the Federal Senate. But what it was, was his argument really for parent controlled education. And uh, even back in the 19th century, he had documentation that when the state was in control of education, it uh, failed. It was a failure in the 19th century. It uh he, I won't go through all the statistics, but uh, unless you want to go through it, but basically he showed that those states that adopted um, state compulsory education uh, had higher crime rates, suicide rates, uh, juvenile delinquency rates uh, over those uh, early years. I mean, we think of the 19th century as probably where we'd like to go back to, <laughs> you know, in in uh, training our children or something, because uh, the Bible was still read in the schools. Well, Zachary Montgomery points out that... Um, in California, in the 1880s, the Bible could only be read as a literature without commentary. That uh, a teacher could freely criticize the child in front of the parent, but the child or the parents could not criticize the teacher in front of the child. They might get, uh, you know, penalized by the civil government for that. So, the, I mean, the what we're experiencing today is the highly rotten produced fruit of a system that was established you know back in the 1830s and 40s um, and <clears throat> we were so impressed by what Zachariah Montgomery had done in his work in the 1880s my brother and I that we founded an organization to uh, help parents educate their children whatever way we could we didn't even really know what we were going to do we we're just going to do it uh, my brother wasn't even married. I had only had a, had one child that was now six months old, but we were going to help families, you know, in this process. And so that was kind of like what got me going um, uh, along this route.
0: Now, some of our viewers and listeners would not be familiar with this, but you go back to the 1980s and Idaho was a place where you didn't want to be homeschooling. Because right. some of the fiercest persecution against homeschoolers was taking place there, and families were actually being arrested, were being carted off to jail, and it was uh, quite a quite a struggle uh, in those early days. And, and you were right in the thick of that. And so, um, just briefly explain how Montgomery Institute sort of helped to interface,
1: yeah,
0: uh, um, know, with, with the uh, the homeschooling families and and this encroaching. Uh, t- tyranny of the state telling parents you can't teach your own children.
1: Right, yeah, it was kind of odd because that was uh, really one of the most um, free state in the union, uh, but you get a rogue judge and you've got problems. And basically there was a judge that had determined that uh, he didn't know grammar, that the word as may be determined by the board of trustees of the school district within which you reside may equal must, um, at least in his mind. And so there was uh, some homeschooling families that had or some friends had chosen to homeschool but had rejected the offer to have their curriculum approved by the local school district and this judge decided that that was such a grievous thing that uh the children need to get separated from the parents the parents need to get jailed and so forth um that particular uh case uh with the shipping family i was not directly involved in but another family associated with them uh, did come up against some issues with the school district, of which I was able to be a witness for them. And um, it was it was quite an experience to, to go in the courtroom and be a witness. And um, basically, I knew the avenue they were going to go was to push that they must have their children tested by, you know, achievement test scores to demonstrate they, what they had done And my uh, argument was that it was impossible for them to have a valid achievement test score since the scores have been validated under the conditions of uh, freedom for the child to do as well or as poorly as they can uh, without um, consequence. They are supposed to be free to answer these questions. Well taking the test under the conditions that my, my mom and dad might go to jail <laughs> and right. just totally invalidates it.
0: Right, for sure. The judge
1: kind of looked at me when I made that testimony and said, can I ask you some more questions? And so the judge starts asking me questions, one of which was, what if we just told them that it didn't matter how they do on the test? And I said, I don't see how that really come across. So anyway, they won their case. That was uh, tremendous. Praise God. Uh, Montgomery Institute was actually founded to be an umbrella for the homeschool families. Uh, We call ourselves a private enterprise school. We registered with the county uh, that we were in for the state. And uh, so in our school, the parents were the teachers, the classrooms were in the homes, my brother and I were the administrators and they answered to us. And the law said that uh, the governing body of any school is what laid down the attendance policies and rules and regulations. So we were abiding by the law, and uh, I received all kinds of calls from school board members, from attorneys representing school districts and whatnot, trying to figure out how it is that families that lived, you know, a couple hundred miles away from me were in my school and being educated. And I said, yeah, I can guarantee they're in attendance at their school. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I just asked them, you you, you show me where by Idaho law, we must show you our curriculum and get it approved. And I'll have to figure if I can abide by it. Otherwise, I said, you know, you're a public school administrator, whatever. You have a real important job, and I'm a private school administrator, and I have an important job. You take care of the public school, and I'll take care of my private school.
0: (laughs) Good for you, man. That is, that's just such a great story. Again, people don't know the history of the homeschooling movement or the Christian school movement. They just assume that it's always been free and legal for. Uh, churches to run their own schools or for parents to teach their children at home. And it's simply not the case. People had to literally risk everything, in some cases, uh, even possibly losing their children just to follow their conviction and their, their path that this was what God wanted them to do. And so somewhere along the line, you developed a a conviction about Christian education uh, and, and, and by that, we mean, when, when we use that term, we mean biblical education, mm-hmm. um, not merely Christian in name only. But wh- what were some of the influences that shaped your worldview and your perspective on, on biblical education and, and helped you to start thinking you know, clearly about what that would look like?
1: Right. Well, there's probably three individuals that were most significant in my life outside of I've mentioned Zachary Montgomery. That's the one from the dead. Uh, but of the living, uh, first of all, Sam Blumenfeld, I can't necessarily say it uh, brought me along in Christian education, but it solidified more of my commitment to home education and that teachers, I mean, parents can teach reading, writing, arithmetic, fundamentals, um, and learning to go back to the fundamentals, which really is key to a biblical education, you know, building upon uh, the rudimentary principles of every academic discipline. Uh, But I'd like to
0: jump in there real quick. So some people will not be familiar with who Samuel Blumenfeld is uh, because, you know, he's passed on. But uh, he was one of the greatest historians of education in the 20th century, wrote a number of wonderful books like Public Education. Is it necessary? Um, NEA Trojan Horse in America, uh, the outcome based education uh, fraud, NEA uh, OBE fraud. He wrote a phonics program called Alpha Phonics. All you have to do is Google search uh, Samuel Blumenfeld. He was in the Indoctrination film and and the book that was published along with that film. Some people have seen the Indoctrination movie, uh, right. Indoctrination the movie. Uh, so anyway, just um, a, a guy who also really shaped uh, my view on um, the, the, the difference between statist education versus uh, free education and, and uh, parental uh, control over education. So anyway, I just wanted to... Yep you know, give some context to that, but he's, he's somebody everybody should read, uh, just, to, uh, and, oh, and then, um, his last book that he wrote was with, uh, a great journalist who I've had on this podcast before him, Alex Newman, here, this last book was called Crimes of the Educators, mm. and that book is definitely still available, and I uh, highly recommend that one as well, so sorry to segue in, but, okay, so Sam that's Blumenfeld okay. was a, a big, that'd be
1: hey, what we experienced, everybody knows, no, that's good to to know, and, the picture on the front of uh, I think it is is public education really necessary is a picture of the shipping family in Idaho having a child taken out of the mother's arms. Um, yeah, and so he was quite an influence, um, and in fact, it was because of him. His publisher was right here in Boise, Idaho, and uh, he spoke here, and we heard him, and we found out he was going to be speaking at a conference in Uh, Seattle or something like that. And so we followed him there where we picked up a brochure about a conference in Portland. (laughs) And that brings me to the second most, second influential individual in my education journey here. And that was James Rose. Uh, He was putting on a conference in uh, Portland from his American Christian History Institute. And it was with him that along with, there there were many other influences in this area. And so I was primed for what he had to offer, but it was from Jim Rose that um, I really began to learn about and get a greater appreciation for um, a view of God's providence in American history. Uh, I had a love for history. I did graduate school at the University of Connecticut, not because I had any interest in University of Connecticut other than the program, uh, but it was centered in New England. And uh, my wife and I have a love love for history. We went there to learn more about uh, Americans' American's history. And um, with the two things from Jim Rose, one was the providential view of America's history, getting back to original sources. That's what the whole um, Foundation for American Christian Education, American Christian History Institute, and what's called the principal approach, education, really highly emphasizes in terms of America's history and government. Um, and so through him, I, I learned about more about our Christian history, primary sources, pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, uh, the thinkers from England that influenced America, but also that there are fundamental principles upon which they were operating. And these principles are biblically uh, rooted. Uh, The Foundation for American Christian Education, the principal approach has articulated them primarily in historical and governmental terms. And that was my first introduction to it. Then as we went from there and started offering conferences, um, we came across uh, the third and probably the most impactful individual on me. That was Paul Jayley. Paul Jayley's from uh, Massachusetts, uh, New Testament Christian Church and School. And um, what he brought was the principle approach, mentalities, application to, well, to life. Uh, but by taking us, taking the concepts, the seven principles, as they're called, to their true biblical expressions and then working them out in terms of their application, whether it be to education or be to life itself. Um, and so... We kind of adopted his perspective on things, certainly blessed with what uh, the foundation had done and the principal approach there, but turned our perspective as the biblical principle philosophy of education. Just to emphasize the fact that um, we are going to operate out of biblical terminology. And then- <laughs>
0: And at a certain point, you started Covenant Academy, which was a uh, Christian school that was based on the ideals of the principal approach, and you know beyond that, but incorporated a lot of those ideas. And um, I'm I'm planning on having Dan Smithwick of Nehemiah Institute right. as a guest uh, to talk about his peers test, which is a biblical worldview assessment tool. Uh, but it's been determined through his testing that these. Private schools that utilize the principal approach methods have the highest ratings of of biblical worldview scores uh, of, of really any educational group, um, even higher than the average homeschooling family. And so, um, so, so you've done uh, Covenant Academy for how many years?
1: Well, the Covenant Academy's official start was probably about 1992. Okay. Um we were doing with the homeschool families and I was encouraging them to, you know, include some Latin, do some logic and and challenge them on different areas. And they would say, Well, aren't you teaching your child logic this year? Well, yes. Could could my child join your child? <laughs> kind
0: of grew out of like a home school <laughs> kind of almost, right? It just I
1: kind of grew out of that uh in my living room. And, never been really a big school, 30 students or so at a time. But uh, my goal was actually to be only secondary level education. Um, We did open up to lower grades as my wife began teaching our kids in those grades. And it was pretty much a homeschool co-op, but uh, not your run-of-the-mill homeschool co-op. It was definitely, this is an educational program and uh, developed my own credit system and graduated students and Diplomas and they've been doing great in society and impacting the world. Yeah. And so um,
0: then I I know as we've talked, and you and I haven't talked about this for a little bit, but um, you have been moving towards offering more teaching, training, uh, mentoring, that kind of thing online. And um, uh, what what are your thoughts as far as, uh, do you have any thoughts as far as what the Lord will have you do, or are you currently doing? Uh, any kind of online um, teaching or, or training that people can plug into, or is that in the works?
1: Well, what what is developed is Bradford Christian College, as you can see, can you read that on there?
0: Okay, Bradford Christian College.
1: <laughs> yeah, just in our second year, um, my brother and I started Bradford Christian College. It's a distance learning uh, mentor-directed uh, four-year program, uh, great for um people who are wanting to homeschool their children um, or those that wanna get involved in Christian education or the two primary studies right now are Christian education and uh, theology. Wow. Uh, It's not gonna be limited to that. Um, We um, are, it's by being distance learning mentor directed, it very much is appealing to the homeschool uh, family, the homeschool educated child who's used to learning at home. It's used to being given the directions that they need to go and, and take those steps. Um, but with the uh, mentor part of it, we meet on about an every other week basis to review what's been taught, to get feedback on the homework that's been turned in, uh, to help them in processing uh, what they're learning. And um, I'm really excited about this program. And so I am actually phasing out of Covenant Academy uh-huh. and into. Uh, Bradford Christian College.
0: Love it, and I assume is that named after the Pilgrim Father William Bradford? Most
1: definitely, William Bradford. Yep.
0: Wow. <laughs> hey, that's wonderful. How can people get in touch with you if they have an interest in learning more about that?
1: Well, they can go to bradfordchristiancollege.com dot uh, com, or they can write me at david at biblicalview dot com, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to let them know about that and. They can even, if they want to, as parents, you know, choose select classes. uh, We can work that out as well. But it is primarily designed for a four-year program.
0: Uh, That's that's encouraging, uh, especially to be able to help people to start thinking biblically about Christian education. I know I've talked to people who have told me that they're uh, like, for example, there's there's one friend of mine who is a Christian school teacher in Idaho. And he was taking online classes through Liberty University. I don't mean to throw them under the bus, but he just said, you know, he was he's was trying to get further credentialing um, for teaching in the Christian school car- classroom through them. And he said he was just disappointed that Horace Mann and John Dewey and a lot of the people who promoted the compulsory attendance, progressive education model, the, the government school paradigm are promoted as heroes within Mm. the Christian education curriculum offered through Liberty and I'm not just again not just trying to throw them under the bus but I think that's common uh for so-called Christian well it's a so-called Christian colleges but I I think the people are Christians I think they love Jesus but I don't think they have a biblical worldview and you know that really is uh so I think they're real Christians but but our view is that we want to take every thought captive and make it obedient to the lordship of Jesus Christ and um, we, we've only got about five minutes left here before uh, the show ends. Uh, so so just in, in trying to wrap this up, you know, what are some thoughts that you have on what would make something a truly biblical education versus just a humanistic education that we're calling a Christian education? Um, what are some things that you'd look for that would distinguish between the two?
1: Well, um, you know, education is, I guess we could say it's got, four key aspects. It's got its philosophy that it's based upon, it's got its content that you're going to teach, it's got its methodology, and then it's got its ultimate goal and fruit. And I think in all four areas, we need to um, have biblical truth be the governing premise of all that's going on there. And philosophy has got to be fundamental biblical ideas. And this is where the biblical principle approach has helped in laying that down, where we have fundamental biblical principles that are always evident as a part of our lives, from the sovereignty of God, through the individuality of individuals, through how God governs things, through character, covenant, stewardship, sowing and reaping. These are fundamental ideas, they're life ideas. But then when we come to the content, we want not only truth taught, okay, evolution versus creation, basic, ought to be, but Christians get all confused even on that. Yeah. And but no matter what discipline we're teaching, we want truth content, but we also want that content to reflect the biblical truths philosophically. We want to see God's sovereignty, easy one to show. In history, we don't want to just know the facts of history. We want to know, does it point to God operating in his overall purposes for history? What are his overall purposes? How did this play a part of that? How does the principle of covenant relate to the whole idea of the pilgrims being separatists, You know, joining and separating? Those concepts can be taught in history. Methodology, the humanistic view is more of um, seeing you like the rat in the in the maze being taught by a stimulus response basis as opposed to a true living human being after the image of God who knows how to reason and process. And so you want to teach in such a way that the individual actually is um, internalizing the truth, making it their own and able to express it. You're not going to do that on... Um, simply multiple choice, fill in the blank copy from textbook to, to paper type of a thing. There's got to be um, investment on that person's part. and there's more to methodology. I'm going quick here <laughs> yeah. And then I'll, obviously the food. what is the goal? Is the goal just to, to make them a functional person in society where they could plug in and the next you know cog and the whole matrix of you know mechanism of society function, or is it to advance the kingdom of God? I, I propose the latter. We're there to advance the kingdom of God. That means there's individual, there's family, there's cultural, there's vocational concepts that are to be instilled in the person's life after the scripture, such that when they walk out into society, they're ready and equipped for every good work, as Paul would say in Timothy. I don't know if I did that in enough time, but there we go.
0: Brother, you know I, I'm so excited that you are beginning to do mentoring for people on this issue of Christian education, and, and we haven't talked about this. So uh, this is this is new revelation to me. Um, but you know, David is one of the guys that when I think of you know who really gets it in terms of a biblical philosophy of education, of of all the people that I know, uh, I have a, a small handful of people that that I feel like have really uh, they understand this and it's part of their DNA. And David is one of those key guys, um, and yet he's he's probably the most untapped, uh, underutilized person that I know of on this topic. Um, and so I would love for more people to be able to plug in with, uh, with him, and to be able to learn what what he knows because he's as, as he said he studied this for 40 years, and you know he's he's uh, read and and just immersed himself in this very deeply. Uh, far more than just about anyone that I know. And so um, give us the website. You you have, of course, biblicalview.com, which is a website you've had for a while, but give us the website again for um, the, the Bradford College. Yeah, Bradford bradfordchristiancollege.com. bradfordchristiancollege.com. That is incredible. And I'm, I'm absolutely just going to have to have you come back on the podcast and do future episodes with you because I feel like as um, we've just we've opened, it's sort of like I've just opened this box and I haven't had time to really go through it and see everything that's in it uh, because of the the time restraints of this technology. But uh, thank you, David, for joining us and and talking about this. And we will absolutely have you back.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Ezra. It's been a pleasure. God bless. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. For more information on Family Renewal, the writing and speaking ministry of Brooke and Israel Wayne, please visit familyrenewal.org.